Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Braden Gall. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I know Braden is very, very excited. He wants to get to some <laughs> Alabama, Texas here. Tomorrow night, you can watch it on ESPN, 7 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night, number 11, Texas, at number 3, Alabama. Before we get to that in a second, g- give me a moment here, because Braden, are, are preparing for Sunday for NFL, are you, are you solid? Are you ready in regards to the the red zone and all of that stuff because things are different this year. So I I took the time earlier today. I didn't want to be stuck like Sunday morning. Oh, oh my God, how, <laughs> things are different now. You know the rights, the packages, all of that stuff. I want to sure. make sure that I'm not in in a panic. You know, leading up to the games on Sunday. Have you taken care of that whole scenario so you're good to go? Because I did it earlier today and it was much easier than I anticipated it going. Yes, last week I got the house in order, and like yeah. every good football team, good coaching staff, good players, you got to have a game plan. You got to yeah. be prepared. You got to do reps. You got to run drills. We've run tests. I got the kids in the back <laughs> making the run to the car to the beer fridge. I'm not sure if that's like kosher for like the five year old to run and grab dad a beer, but like okay. she's been doing reps. Okay, we've been doing up downs in the living room. We're ready to go. The whole thing's ready to go. Yeah, you don't want to. So, this is like a public service announcement to folks out there listening to us. Don't wait till the last minute for all of this stuff. Get your house in order, all right? So, you're ready to watch all the football this weekend because you heard Greeny in the promo there mention how this is the first weekend where we are just wall to wall, action packed with the football. We're all really looking forward to. To tomorrow night, like I mentioned, 7 o'clock Eastern, ESPN, number 11, Texas, at number 3, Alabama. I know you can't wait to get into this, Braden, so let's do it here. Uh, Look, let's start with something that people are all talking about in regards to this game. Let's talk about the stakes that are potentially on the line here for a a Week 2 college football game. It feels like every year lately we're doing the whole... Is this the end for Alabama? Is this the end of the dynasty? So what's on the line beginning tomorrow night? So I think it depends on how the game goes. If we see two really good, high-quality teams that are playing disciplined football, but it's a great back-and-forth battle, I think you could argue both teams still have everything to play for. They're still both playoff teams, and Texas could prove itself on the road, seven-and-a-half-point underdog. If they lose by, let's say, a field goal like they did last year at home to Texas to, to Alabama, they could actually prove to the committee that they belong in the conversation. They still have a whole Big 12 championship to go. But again, like last year, this game was one of the sloppiest games I have ever seen an Alabama team play. They, they had, I think, 17 penalties against Texas last year, and Bryce Young had to lead them down the field on a game-winning drive to win that game on the road. And Quinn Ewers didn't even play in the final three quarters of that game. So what's interesting is what's at stake for Alabama because I, I think all this talk about the dynasty, 
being over or decaying or there's trouble in paradise, whatever cliche you want to throw at Nick Saban in Alabama, it's almost always been, it, well, it has been every single time premature. I think this summer it's been premature, but they didn't win the division last year. They lost twice. And if they don't win this game at home by a touchdown plus favorite to a team that has not won a conference championship in God knows how long, they're a, Texas is a punch. Texas is back is like a punchline. So if you lose at home as a largely you know comfortable, let's call it a comfortable favorite, I think that is when you can, for the first time in 17 years under Nick Saban, start to actually ask the question: Is everything okay? in Tuscaloosa because they still have LSU. They still have all these big games down the road. Georgia's still the defending champ and the best team in the SEC. And you know the last time they lost at home? Hmm. The last time Alabama lost at home was before a worldwide pandemic. It, the other team needed Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin <laughs> Jefferson to go into Alabama and win. That's the last. November of 2019 is the last time Alabama lost at home. If they lose to Texas at home this weekend – the conversations around Alabama have to change. Okay, so they're they're a touchdown favorite, Alabama. They're a seven-point favorite at home tomorrow night, 7 p.m. East on ESPN. If they lose, you're ready to have the conversation about, okay, it, or is this thing slipping out of Nick Saban's hands? What if tight game throughout, maybe even Texas is leading the whole game, and it takes a late field goal for Alabama to eke out a win at home after they were a seven-point favorite going into this game. Does that also kickstart the conversation? I, I think the questions don't necessarily change, to, to your point, right? Like, if one, should one field goal change the entire direction of a dynasty? No, it, it shouldn't. But but it, it does it, – the same questions are there. Like, are you good enough to win the SEC West? Are you good enough to compete with Georgia in an SEC championship game? Are you good enough to overcome all these new things that are happening in college football? Name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, on and on and on down the list. And, and then that doesn't even count what happens in a playoff. It, it, when you could be playing against, you know, again, maybe it's a rematch to Georgia. Maybe it's a, Caleb Williams in USC. Maybe it's Michigan or Ohio State. Like, we don't know. Florida State looks awfully good. I picked Florida State to play in the national championship game this year before the season started. That's a dangerous team. So, uh, to me, the questions are the same. Uh, it just feels different if they lose at home. This team is very different on the road. That, last year, they lost to LSU and Tennessee, both on the road. The year before that, they lost to Auburn on the road. The year before that, it's Georgia in the SEC championship game. Like They don't lose at home. For all of Nick Saban's flaws, and that, there are not many, I just mean as the team has kind of drifted away from that 2020 perfect season, we've started to see some cracks in the armor a little bit. But almost all of that shows up on the road. It does not show up in Tuscaloosa. And so I do think the the win or the loss is a big deal in terms of what questions we ask. But if they they win a close game, are you going to all of a sudden say, yeah, I feel comfortable saying they can compete with Georgia? I don't think you're going to say that. Right. Filling in for Amber and Ian tonight on ESPN Radio. I'm Jonathan Saslow. He is Braden Gall. Let's hear from the head coach of Alabama football. Nick Saban was on the Pat McAfee show, and here he was asked about his record against his former assistants. 
And I think the record is misleading because a lot of the assistants who got head jobs, they didn't get great jobs, all right? So they were in rebuilding mode. They didn't have the same advantages that we had. But now, you know, you talk about Georgia and A&M and Texas, those guys have had a chance to build programs and they, they have really good teams. So uh, I think the record is going to be a little more challenging. It really is a great point, Braden. It's it's like when we talk about the college football coaches. Oh, they they never succeed in the NFL. Okay, well, it has a little bit to do with they get the really crappy jobs, the jobs that the coach was just fired. Okay, that that's why a lot of times it doesn't work out for the college football coach in the NFL. But like Coach Saban is mentioning there, yeah, his record against his former assistants, they're taking over a program that may have been in shambles. There's also a lot of those wins. He's being he's being very uh, humble eye, you know. Like he's he's being very <laughs> humble eye. He's won a lot of those games against in, in like SEC championship games. Like he, like he's he's beaten a lot of assistants, you know, at LSU. At, so uh, you he's know, being nice. He's kind of being nice, which I understand. Here's what I, I will say: What's funny after that entire conversation about what's at stake, Nick Nick Saban has been. You just mentioned how nice he was in that cut. He has been very happy, like unusually happy the really? last couple of weeks, and it's very strange to watch. And so I, I'm curious if that means he's overly concerned with this team or overly confident. I don't think we know yet. My guess is, and this is, again, we just had this conversation about what happens if Texas wins and if Alabama struggles and they play sloppy at home. I, I think they are going to line up and try to maul Texas, and I think it's going to work. I think Jalen Milrow and the offensive line, they got really good running backs. It's one of the best running back rooms in America, if not the best. I think Alabama is the pick in the West. They were the pick in the West before LSU lost last week. They they were the preseason pick. I think Alabama lines up and handles its business on Saturday night. But I think how does Texas handle the environment and the pressure? Can they protect the quarterback? There's so many games within the game here that it's going to be just an absolute pleasure to watch. But I do think Alabama and, and, and Nick Saban – and that rushing attack is what's going to be the the deciding factor on Saturday night. I think you're right about him being a bit more pleasant lately. And look, I covered him down here for two years when he was coach of the Dolphins. And pleasant would not be the first word that I would <laughs> use to describe what it was like around him those two years. I mean, wasn't it the other day? Didn't he apologize to one of the reporters for the way that he answered their question. He said, yeah. you answered, you, you asked a good question. I, I had a bad answer. Like, when's the last time he did never. that? Never. Really I've never weird. Heard, I've never heard it. And again, I, I talked to some of the players at SEC Media Days. Like, they are <laughs> pissed off for greatness. Like, like they, 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 they view last year as a total failure. And remember, they were two plays. Two plays away from... a good phrase. <laughs> they were two plays away from being undefeated. They lost on a last-second field goal against Tennessee, and they lost on a two-point conversion in overtime to LSU, both on the road. They were two plays away from being 12-0, and they know it, and I think they're, I think they're ready to go on Saturday night. College football is back. Tune in for a doubleheader tomorrow as Iowa State hosts Iowa, followed by Oregon at Texas Tech. Coverage begins right here at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up with Patrick Mahomes' first opening game is the door open for the AFC West to crown a new champion? This is Amber and Ian. You're listening on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Braden Gall. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You heard there, courtesy of 106.5 The Wolf. As you had Kadarius Tony, the main culprit there last night. I know the Giant fan was probably snickering the entire evening there. It's 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 interesting, Braden, where yeah, obviously without Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs offense is gonna look so different. I feel like going into last last year, I feel like going into last year, a lot of people thought that we were going to see games like last night's where the Chiefs struggled because of Tyreek Hill leaving. And we never really got that. And it's not that it's not even just that, okay, Kelsey's the guy who's who's really important to that offense. I mean, they were missing both Hill and Kelsey last night. But I feel like what we saw last night was what a lot of people thought we were gonna yeah. see last year when Tyreek Hill left the team, you know? And I think it does show you the value of Travis Kelsey, his role in the offense, Andy Reid's brilliance and how he uses him to not only force feed him the football in the red zone on, on third and seven, but also how he spaces the field for everybody else. And when you don't have like one of the most athletic, if not one of the greatest tight ends, I mean, look, he's going to be one of the greatest tight ends of our generation. He probably is going to end up being one of the greatest tight ends of all time. You look at the receiving mm-hmm. numbers in the playoffs, certainly that's a function of playing with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They play lots of playoff games, but he's already basically the all-time leading tight end receiver in the history of the, the game in terms of his playoff production and, and, and regular season. So I think, do I exp- am I worried about what this offense is look, looks like without Kelsey? Sure, absolutely. Do I think it's yeah. going – I mean it, – to me, you can take one superstar off a team and a star quarterback can carry you. It's hard to take the two superstars off the team, talking about Hill and Kelsey. You're also not going to get it. Like, th- Here's the other thing. They had the lead. <laughs> mm-hmm. They still had the lead with all those drops and all those incompletions and no Kelsey and no Jones. They still had the lead deep into the fourth quarter at home. The defense gave up one bad drive. If They had one bad drive early and then the defense gave up the, the big one late. Could Andy Reid have gone for it maybe on fourth down a couple of times? Maybe they could have done that. The fourth and 25, I don't have a problem with because if you... Really? You know, where, where, well, if, where you are on the field, you're down by one. You know, if like they get the ball and you have three timeouts and you stop them, you still have a chance to get the ball back down by a score. So like, I think it's the odds you're playing there. 
that's the, that's the sheet, right? Like that's where you go to the sheet and it says, "Oh, if you're if it's fourth and 22 and you're you're down by one with 186 to go." Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they just go I mean, off. It's fourth and 25. It feels like I understand, all right, where you are in the field and you got all the time. Fourth and 25, it just it feels like it feels impossible. It feels like you're not picking that up. I agree. I completely like your percentage chance of getting it right. I think again, it's all based on these analytics departments now that every NFL team has. That it's like, all right, you just go to the sheet, and if the sheet says you have a a, 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 a better percent chance of winning the game by going for it, you go for it. Like that's that's basically what all these departments do now. I think they could have been more aggressive on some other situations, but like largely they played the the quarterback and the defense played a fairly good game. And they had the lead in the fourth quarter. Like, I, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I'm not worried about the AFC West. I'm not. Kelsey's going to be back. I, I'm just not worried about it. I'm not going to overreact. I think the Lions were hungry for that game. They've been waiting for <laughs> – you could argue yeah. the Lions have been waiting for that game for 30 years. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. so I just – I'm not going to overreact to the loss for Mahomes. Here's Mike Greenberg, of course. Greeny every morning here on ESPN Radio. And you can count Mike Greenberg as one of those guys who – is doubting the Chiefs in the AFC West. They have the best player in the league. They have maybe the best player ever in Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? They don't have a whole lot else. I'm not telling you they're not going to win their division because they probably will. Their division kind of stinks. Denver is bad. The Raiders are the worst team in the NFL that's trying. And the Chargers are only okay, and I don't trust their coach at all. So the Chiefs are going to win that division, and they will be a brutally tough out in the playoffs because they have Mahomes, and he never is going to go out easy. But if they're going to get back to the Super Bowl this year, they're going to have to do it on the road. I don't know about the division stinking. We know the Chiefs are... I'm not worried about the Chiefs overall, as long as Kelsey's going to play, and I would expect he's going to suit up next week. We know the Chiefs are really good, and I think we're pretty sure the Chargers are pretty good. Can one of those other, like, and if Russell Wilson looks anything remotely like the guy he was in Seattle, then Denver's probably going to be a pretty decent team too. So I'm definitely not in the camp of the AFC West kind of stinking, but if I'm a Charger fan and they got a very tough matchup against my, my Miami Dolphins this weekend, if I'm a Charger fan, Braden, yeah. Last night was eye-opening to me. Like I, I, I thought that's, I thought that's pretty great because KC schedule. You go look at what they have next week. They're at the Jaguars. I mean, all right. I, I'm, I'm not saying we should be afraid of the Jaguars, but what if Trevor Lawrence comes out slinging and all of a sudden the Chiefs are zero two? I mean, it's pos- listen, as a big believer in Trevor Lawrence, I, I agree. But there, there's always a baseline level of concern for every team in the NFL, right? Because it's just such a balanced league where anybody can go up and come back and go go down and get mm-hmm. worse and get better in, in one season, in one offseason. But the Chargers have a new coordinator with a new offense. They're not playing the dink and dunk anymore. They're trying to go down the field. Their receivers are always banged up. Can they stop people on defense? Like, the Chargers have just as many questions. Uh, I'd like to know, listen, far, far be it for me to criticize Greeny here, but like, they have Patrick Mahomes and not a whole lot else. Like, isn't that what they just won a Super Bowl with last year? So I don't know why this roster is all that different from last year's roster. Coming up, we head out to Kansas City. We're going to find out what's next for the Chiefs after last night's loss to Detroit. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He's Braden Gall. We are in for Amber and Ian. You're listening on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 8. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're filling in for them. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Braden Gall. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. 
I got to agree. I, I really thought last night, it's only one game, Braden, but if you're Detroit and you want to be taken serious, go in there, win at the Super Bowl champs when they're shorthanded. And I'm not taking anything away from that victory for Detroit. Take advantage of the situation. Oh, they have no Kelsey? Oh, you're a team that thinks you're on the rise? You want to take some momentum maybe from last year? Are you changing the culture? Okay, go into Kansas City. They're giving you an opportunity by them being shorthanded. Take the game. And they did. A a win in the NFL is a win. It doesn't matter who's on the other team and how well they played and who's hurt and who's not. I I think the most impressive thing for me with Detroit is like – the buildup internally, mentally, psychologically for the fans with the season ticket waiting list for the first time in 30 years, the pressure of like actual expectations around a Detroit Lions football team going in. It, it really is like they again, I think I, I don't I had to go back and like double check my receipts, but I had them in sort of Minnesota. I think I had leaned Detroit to win the division this year. I think I don't think it, that's that crazy. I think a lot of people are okay. It would be willing to pick Detroit to win the division. The point is they have expectations for the first time in forever. And to go on the road and then to have Jared Goff lead a game-winning drive and to sort of do it in the Dan Campbell way, right? Like pounding the football when they want to and doing it in sort of that old-school uh, way. And, and again, who cares who did or didn't play? If, if Mahomes doesn't play, sure, let's have a conversation about how shorthanded Kansas yeah. City was. If you're if you're all world all Hall of Fame quarterback doesn't play, that's a different conversation. But and, and I'm not suggesting that Kelsey and Chris Jones aren't two of the best players on the team. They are, but on on a Thursday night to start the season with expectations yep. for the first time in 30 years to go on the road and beat the defending champs, to me that says mentally the Lions are already in the right totally. place that they need to be. And you know what? I'm glad you brought the mental part up there. And look, we we can't see into any of these guys' heads. All right, but. I, I thought you go to the last game of last year where they were at Green Bay, a Packer team, Aaron Rodgers, who had everything to play for. They needed to win like their last five games to make the postseason, and it ended up coming down to, okay, they're doing it, and now they just need to win one game at Lambeau against the Detroit Lions to make the postseason. The Lions knew going into that game that unfortunately because of circumstances with other teams, they needed help. They knew they weren't going into the postseason. A lot of teams at that point, it's like, all right, let's go out there and make sure we don't get hurt. Who, who the heck needs to go through rehab in the offseason because you got hurt in a game that didn't mean anything for you? Right. And, what, and what did the Lions do? They took after their coach in that spot. And mm-hmm. they went in there, and they kicked their butt, and they kept the Packers and Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. And then it feels like, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand, I was not a Dan Campbell guy. A lot of that rah-rah, you know, we're going to do Oklahoma drills and we're going to bite kneecaps. And I like (laughs) that stuff doesn't usually jive with me. And I I think I was dead wrong because they absolutely this team absolutely has taken on the identity of their head coach. And yes, I think it's a little bit of a different conversation if no Kelsey and the game was in Detroit. The game was at Arrowhead. It's the first game of the year. They put up a new banner for Super Bowl champions. That's a very big deal, Braden. No, I, I agree. What's, I, I, th- I find the psychology of leadership in the NFL to be one of the biggest and most underrated factors because everyone is very talented. Everyone is highly paid. Every coach is very skilled. Every player is very talented. And, and I see I, – I cover the Titans. I live here in Nashville, and I'm around Mike Vrabel a lot, and I see his style of communication, his style of leadership – 
and I think a lot of people see Mike Vrabel on the outside, and they they think meathead, right? They think outside linebacker, yeah. Patriots yeah. guy, meathead. I think yeah. that's certainly – I'm with you. I felt that way about Dan Campbell. You yep. see a guy, and you're like, all right, the rah-rah stuff. I, does it really work? Does it land after a long period of time, after hearing it a few times? Do you start to block it out? Does it make sense? And the reason I compare him to Mike Vrabel is Mike Vrabel sort of feels that way outwardly. But inside, that dude is incredibly meticulous. He is smart. He's football savvy. He understands people. He understands psychology and leadership. And he understands how to like communicate with people and, and really be a good teacher. And I think what you're seeing from Dan Campbell, and I, to me, that's what makes Mike Vrabel great. What, I'm, what you're seeing from Dan Campbell, to me, is that other side, that... that that sort of the intelligence level behind the scenes that like knows how to pluck the right string and get the right thing out of your players. It may look different outwardly, but it on, on the inside, it, these are, these are smart guys. Like these are really smart football people. They're not just these meathead outside linebacker, middle linebacker, fullback guys. If you want to get in on the show, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You're listening to Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. We're filling in. I'm Jonathan Saslow. He is Braden Gall. Let's go out to Montana. This is Jeff. Jeff, you're up on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, guys, for taking my call. You know, I know everyone's talking about, you know, two of the uh, top three players not uh, being present for the game, but I haven't heard anyone talking about maybe the fourth best person on the uh, roster, and that was probably Eric the Enemy. Well, uh, thanks for the call, Jeff. I, I, I certainly don't know him about it, about him being the fourth best on the roster. I'm not even 100% sure, Braden, what his actual job was with Kansas City because we know he wasn't calling plays. I'm right. really interested and in after all these years of Bienemy interviewing for head coaching jobs, never getting those jobs, and now finally deciding, okay, you know what, sometimes to move on up, you got to move on out first and prove yourself somewhere else. And so that's what he's going to attempt to do in Washington this year. I'm really interested to see what type of effect he has there in Washington and with Sam Howell. I'm not ready to, to crown him as this massive reason for the Chiefs' success. I'm not a 1,000% sure what he used to do, Braden. I, 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 I tend to agree, and if you watch, I, I know people made a lot of this when you watch the quarterback documentary, right, on Netflix, that he was meeting with other coaches, on, Patrick Mahomes was meeting with other coaches on the sidelines more often than he was. Now, some of that could be editing, and just how they cut that whole documentary, so you got to be careful if, with if that. If that is the way that they're editing, that's so mean to Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> I know, that true, true story, facts right there, that's actually genuinely dis, disrespectful to Eric Bieniemy. But, like, come on, like, this is... I mean, this is like a Kirby Smart defensive assistant or a Nick Saban defensive assistant or a John Harbaugh. Like it, it's Andy Reid's offense, guys. Like it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't mean he's calling plays, but it's his offense. And you, you see, even again, going back to the documentary, you saw how much the players they have one day each week in practice where the players get to like make up stuff, <laughs> and like, and then sometimes that ends up in the playbook. And so I, I don't. To your point, it's amazing. I would vote him. At, at, at best, the second most important offensive mind on the coaching staff. At best. Maybe the third most important mind on the coaching staff. And that, that's not trying to be disrespectful yeah. to Eric Bieniemy. It, it's just it's just that's how good Andy Reid is, and that's how good maybe the rest of the staff is. I really think we're going to find out a lot about Eric Bieniemy this year, what happens in Washington. Let's go out to Denver. This is TJ. TJ, you're up on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. Go ahead, TJ. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I want to go back to the Lions. It is seriously gut-wrenching 
with how much love the Lions are getting. Let's let's be honest. Even though the Chiefs were shorthanded, they were two or three receptions away from winning. The Lions won by one point. They will not take the division from the Vikings. Thanks for the call, TJ. Yeah, but like you know why that is, though. It, it, it was a standalone game opening up the season. Everyone is watching. So, yeah, like... Obviously, there's overreaction and, and underreaction every single week. But when you got kind of like a little engine that could, that wins at the Super Bowl champs and yeah. maybe the, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, you're going to get a lot of love for that team. Uh, and I don't look, I think if, if you were picking the Minnesota Vikings to win the division bef- like yesterday morning, then I think you should stand by your pick. I don't think you should I still am. Your, yeah, I don't think you should change your decision based on what you saw last night. If I'm picking the Lions, like I probably was yesterday morning, then I feel a little bit better about it. Again, I don't think the analysis is, oh, the Lions are going to all of a sudden be contenders. They're all of a sudden going to host a playoff game. They're all of a sudden going to win a championship. I, the, the thing that I keep going back to is that they were in the right place mentally. That's it. Like That means they were ready. They were prepared. This isn't an offense that needs a couple of weeks. This isn't a defense that needs a couple of weeks. This is a team that's ready to play ball. That's all. It, it doesn't mean they're going to win a championship, but it showed me that last night they were ready to take advantage of the situation, and they took advantage of the situation. They were down. I agree. The Chiefs were the better team. They should have won the game, blah, 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 blah. Who went on a fourth-quarter game-winning drive and won the game on the road against yeah. the defending champs? Not the Detroit Mahomes. Lions did. So, you yeah. know, you got to give them the credit. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE-AND-PROGRESSIVE.COM. Coming up, Jason Anderson from KC is going to join us. We'll get the lowdown on how the Chief fan is feeling the morning after that loss. You're listening to Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. This is Amber Neen on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, along with SiriusXM Channel 80. Filling in, I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Braden Gall. The big story, of course, last night, NFL underway at Arrowhead Stadium. You had the defending Super Bowl champs lose what I thought was a great game, 21-20. Wasn't necessarily well played the whole time, but we got a very close game that came down to a fourth-quarter drive that came up, uh, obviously, well short for Kansas City. Jason Anderson, Sports Radio 810 in KC, on with us here. This is Amber and Ian. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He's Braden Gall. Jason, appreciate you joining us here tonight. So was the sky falling this morning for Kansas City Chief fans? I guess it sort of depends on who you ask. And I apologize about the previous segment, guys. I've been hanging out with Kadarius Tony. I clearly dropped the ball, so that's my fault. Um, no, it sort of depends on who you ask, I guess. Are you, uh, you know, when the expectations are as high as uh, Chiefs fans have for this team, any loss feels like the sky is falling. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about today is there's a reason we're discussing a win or a loss on the Friday of the opening week. It's because they played on Thursday night because they won the Super Bowl. Like it's it's pretty difficult to be really upset and frustrated and mad, like emotionally mad over that loss without Chris Jones, without Travis Kelsey, without Charles Amenahu, who suspended six weeks, and they just didn't play all that well when they hung their third banner in uh, franchise history and they're the reigning Super Bowl champion. So there's some perspective there, but I think there were some concerning things that came out of last night's game. It, Jason, there's a lot of people that have said, like, hey, it, it, especially watching last night, like, they see Mahomes 
and they see the star, and we know how good he is, and then you look around, and you're like, okay, what, what about the rest of the team? And, and, and Mike Greenberg said today, I believe, he goes, look, this is, it's Mahomes and not a whole lot else. How, how different is this roster, though, from last year that was Mahomes and this same sort of crew, and they end up winning the Super Bowl? Like, from a talent perspective, how does the roster 1-53 to compare to last year? I mean, that's the amazing thing is that I think the roster 1-53 through 53 is better than what it was a year ago. It clearly did not show last night. But in week three last year, in the middle of the season, they lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Like, the team won the Super Bowl and somehow lost to the Colts last year. Like, we've seen some games like this in Andy Reid's time where they just sort of have a game where they throw a clunker out there. And it was a bad night for them to do that because everybody's been waiting for the season to start. I think they upgraded, if not stayed the same at left tackle. I think they upgraded at right tackle. They got better defensively um, when Chris Jones is on the field, obviously, and when Travis Kelsey is on the field offensively. Uh, but the running backs are the same, and they essentially exchanged Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman for Rasheed Rice and Richie James. So they did take a step back there, which I think probably showed last night because if he had Juju out there, it was somebody that – Patrick Mahomes had a good relationship with and trusted and threw the ball to him a lot. Um, and, and he was an outlet receiver. And he didn't really have that guy that you can trust last night. It, it was a disconnected effort from Mahomes and the receivers. Obviously, all the drop balls, but even just what felt like guys maybe a tick off or two yards this way or, or two yards the other way. Like even one of the throws to Kadarius Tony that was knocked down by Jack Campbell Kadarius Tony needs to stop and sit in that zone, in that area. He kept fading and fading to where Mahomes then threw the ball to him and it was knocked away. If he sits down, it's a 15, 20-yard gain. Those little things are missing from this team, especially last night. But roster 1 through 53, uh, I think all you did was exchange Juju Smith-Schuster um, for Rasheed Rice, and you're a better offensive line. They're a better secondary uh, the linebacking core got better by adding Drew Tranquil from the uh, Chargers. Uh, I think one through 53, they're actually better. Uh, doesn't mean they'll go out and win the Super Bowl, though. Jason Anderson, Sports Radio 810 and KC, joining us here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. I'm Jonathan Zaslow alongside Braden Gall. Jason, what, how was it received seeing Chris Jones holding out in a suite last night watching the game? I, we see holdouts all the time. I don't remember said holdout watching the game in the stadium. Yeah, it was not received well. I will just say that. Um, it, was, uh, uh, it, it was odd, um, and I don't know that I can ever remember seeing a holdout that a guy shows up and, and is there in person. I mean, he held a press conference on Wednesday. Now, good on him because he had a commitment to a local charity, and he was there at the local charity. His agents, the Katz brothers, said, okay, we'll, we'll hold a press conference and you guys can talk to him, but we're not going to talk about the contract. Okay, great. Six minutes later into the press conference, all he's been talking about is the contract. <laughs> and he was asked, do you feel like you've let your teammates down? And his response was, how? How did I let my teammates down? I, I'm just asking for a raise. I mean, you guys ask for raises in your jobs. How am I letting my teammates down? Then he was asked, well, why didn't you hold in maybe? Uh, and he said, I didn't want to be a distraction by holding in as if this isn't a distraction. And so he says, how do I let my teammates down? I don't want to be a distraction. And then he shows up to the game and sits in a suite and watches the game holding out. Not only did it not go over well with Chiefs fans, uh, I'm told it did not go over well at one Arrowhead Drive with the front office, that they were none too pleased that Chris Jones uh, was there. The uh, word that came up before the game is that they're not opposed to him being at the game, which isn't exactly like, oh, we're glad he's here. 
Well, we're not opposed to it. He's buying a ticket, which, by the way, it was a $1.1 million ticket last night for Chris Jones. Maybe the most expensive football ticket to a regular season game in history Chris Jones uh, paid for last night. Uh, Jason, real quickly, uh, how much did Eric Bieniemy mean to this team? I think he meant a lot to the team by holding people accountable. You guys heard the news that came out of Washington with how he, how the players were responding to his coaching, and then uh, Chiefs players and other people that had been, um, you know, coached by Eric Bieniemy coming to his defense and saying, "Yeah, that's he's going to hold you responsible. He's going to hold you accountable for what you do because he wants the best." I think they'll miss that sort of red ass, that guy who's just in your face. Like, no, this is how, this is the expectation of how you will play. And Eric Bieniemy had that. He may rub some players the wrong way by doing that, but it is a demand of excellence at a high level that I talked about it this summer, Braden, that I don't know who replaces that because that's not Matt Nagy. Uh, but Eric Bieniemy brought that. And I think uh, this Chiefs team, when you're as good as they are, there can be a level of maybe complacency or just uh, resting on your laurels. Not everybody, certainly not Mahomes or Kelsey, but Eric Bieniemy wasn't going to allow anybody to do that. Jason Anderson, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Great job, Jason. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Amber and Ian. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He's Braden Gall. We're in for the guys here tonight. Hey, tune in for football action Sunday as the Patriots host the Eagles. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Braden, you, you have your arms up there. You're, you're <laughs> very excited. Go let's ahead. Take some, yeah, let's take some folks behind the curtain a little bit here. Go ahead. Uh, producer, producer Harry, Illini grad on ESPN2, down 21 to nothing. To the Kansas Jayhawks, my Kansas Jayhawks. They're just mine now. Lifelong diehard Kansas Jayhawk fan, uh, me. Uh, up 21 to nothing on, on the Fighting Illini in Lawrence. The Illini marched down the field on a 75-yard drive. have gotten into the end zone with 41 seconds to go in the second quarter. It is now 21 to 7, and Harry's back, everybody. Producer Harry back in the saddle. He's uh, that's, He's that's producer so Harry Black, as a matter of fact. Oh, and uh, you guys got 30 seconds. Oh wow! So distraught. On air Maybe countdowns. Now. I like it. Yeah, I like that. It's very, it's very efficient. Very efficient. All right. So yeah. I, hey, I am not surprised to hear Jason tell us there. That was a weird scene last night, yeah. man. Yeah. I understand Chris Jones holding out. I understand wanting to raise, and I understand him not feeling like he let his teammates down. Also, but. I've never seen that showing up, sitting in the suite and flanked by his agents, one on the left, one on the right. Very strange scene. Coming up, Colorado is bringing in more bets than NFL games. Are they already a serious threat in college football? That's next. This is Amber Nian on ESPN Radio.